0: You're listening to The Disney Burrito, Episode 4. Welcome back, everyone. Glad you can join us this week. And I hope your week has started off well. Monday is the day we're recording this, and I'm so thankful that Monday is over. Well, my name is Jeremy Iman, and this is the Disney Burrito. Corinne Eiman usually joins us. She is out tonight, but I'm joined with my wonderful daughter, our guest today, Autumn Eiman. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Autumn?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing wonderful. We have a lot that we're going to talk about, some exciting things, and a lot of news. But first of all, how would your day at school go?
1: It was great. We did a, I got a lot of work done.
0: Well, good. You ready to talk some cool Disney stuff? Yes. Me too. So let's dig right into this juicy news that we have. So something amazing happened to uh, Disney and Marvel. Can you take a wild guess at that? Um, did Spider-Man
1: finally come back?
0: Yes, the <laughs> Hence the the hint amazing. So so yes, rumor has it, which is actually factual now, that Spider-Man will be an Avenger again. Uh, Marvel and Sony have agreed to make. Another movie. So look who's still the Avenger after all. So that is some exciting news to have. Um, you know, I was a little sad when I heard the whole Disney Sony issues going on, and we didn't know if we we're going to have another Disney slash Marvel Spider Man. Uh, Sony owns the rights. Did you know that too? Yes, I did. Yep. Unfortunately. And, yep. So Sony Pictures Entertainment and Walt Disney Studios they've announced that they're going to team up for another Spider Man film. After some negotiations between the two had reportedly uh, went sour and there was a lot of outcry on social media regarding this. Um, you know, we've discussed it here and there and it is what it is, but we're happy uh, that Tom Holland is also going to be playing Spider-Man and coming back for another installment under I'm the Marvel I'm really
1: University. excited for.
0: Yeah, I think actually of all the three Spider-Mans, he's, he's my favorite.
1: I like him a lot too for it.
0: I think he's really good. So... Keeping the Cinematic Universe of Marvel going on. Uh, He might appear in some more adventure movies. I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully. Kevin Feig is the president of Marvel Studios. And of course, he's been amazing and successful in the recent years with all the Spider-Man movies. Uh, The third installment was Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, And there's some really cool news we're going to talk about with, uh, with Kevin as well down the road. But right now, the film is yet untitled. And it looks like it's going to be released July 16th of 2021. So they've given us a hard date. But, you know, those sometimes uh, those uh, dates move here and there. So so we'll see. Also, Amy Pascal, you probably don't know who she is, and that's okay. (laughs) I'm going to let you know. She's the former head of Sony's movie division. She is also going to be the producer uh, as she was on Spider-Man Homecoming and this year's Spider-Man Far From Home. So... We have the same producer coming back. We have the same uh, director coming back, which is going to be amazing. And The Amazing Spider-Man lives on under the Disney Marvel Universe. So very thankful about this
1: it'll be cool because however it goes it'll have the same feeling as before with all the same directors
0: exactly you hit the point on that one my thoughts exactly um but you know we're gonna backtrack here a little bit spider-man movies we thought uh, we would continue to be made by sony on its own without the marvel studios touch and that connection to the avengers landscape um now hey Spider-Man lives on and I'm really really excited about it one of the cool Spider-Man uh, Movies most recently that I think honestly is the best of them all is uh, the spider-man I'm going blank here um, in the universe uh, into the spider-verse spider-man. Yes, Spider Yes, definitely. Yeah uh, The story <laughs> the animation is absolutely phenomenal. I know we've watched it as a family you and your siblings have watched it, not. We even a got lot. to
1: watch it at school. They did a whole movie day wait, for us.
0: Wait, you got to watch it at school?
1: Yes. <laughs> we did a whole potluck and everything. It was great.
0: Glad my tax dollars are going to good use. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're being cultured in the Marvel Universe and in Disney, and in some great animation. So that's really, that's really cool. That's that is really cool. So. Kevin Feige, he Feige, Feige I maybe I may butcher his name. I do that a lot with a lot of people's names. So, besides the Marvel Studios and the Spider-Man movies, it's also been announced that he is in development of a new Star Wars movie, according to all the reports. Wow! Because you know, with the the Star Wars movie that's coming out in December, we have a whole new not well Star Wars universe, whole new storyline that's going to come and he is one of the guys that's slated to develop the new star wars movie um not only is he well respected in hollywood but he did become the president of marvel back in uh, marvel studios in 2007 he spearheaded a number of new phases for the production uh partly responsible for avengers ensemble good movie yeah it's very good age of ultron very good infinity war good movie and end game yep so He's 46 years old. My goodness. just <laughs> I'm going to give my age a few years older than me, and look what he's doing. Um, so he is building on the company with Marvel's Phase 4, as well as a new Star Wars movie. So just as the new era of the studio comes into view, it's now reported that the, uh, the producer could be moving towards a future with Star Wars instead. We'll see where that takes us. I think that's in good hands uh, with him at the helm. I think he's done a really good job with Marvel. Um, and now we'll see what he's going to do with um, you know this franchise and this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter Uh, this is where we're getting this news Um, despite being well known for his work in the Marvel Cinematic Universe though uh, it's no secret that Kevin is a huge Star Wars fan Um, so I'm not quite surprised and he's gonna be also helping Kathleen Kennedy is still there in the Star Wars universe so some exciting things coming up can't wait to see. And I'm excited about the Star Wars movies, even the unnamed. You have The Mandalorian coming out on Disney+. Plus. I know we've talked about it a lot. And I know we're all excited because we're getting closer and closer, just less than a month and a half now Ooh. for all of that. So speaking of Star Wars, what, before we move to the next thing, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Do you have a favorite um, Star Wars movie?
1: I don't think I really do. I think one that... I really like is the one we, um I'm going blank here as well. uh Before Princess Leia and everything happens, but the one they've made recently. Um,
0: Rogue One. Yes, Rogue One. That okay. one
1: I think I really like. That one's really cool. But other than that, I think they're all great.
0: Easy answer there. Yeah. That's a cop-out answer. They're all great.
1: <laughs> well, they are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, speaking of Star Wars, we're going to continue on with this. So we've been talking a lot about Bob Iger. Um in regards to not only his book that's coming out, or I believe is out. uh, We're going to be also doing a review of that really soon uh, in regards to that book. But also, Bob Iger was basically quoted. He talked about Disney. He thought Disney was putting out too much Star Wars content. Hmm. Um, I kind of agree with that. It felt like it was bam, 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 bam. One movie after another. Yeah. Yeah, so... Iger was thinking this. So this article uh, that we found um, that I'm just going to go ahead and uh, summarize this for you. That Lucasfilm, well, Disney uh, bought it back in 2012. Uh, They've been relentless uh, with the output over the past seven years. Within those seven years, uh, we've had three main installments. The Rise of Skywalker, which is coming this December. Standalone films like Rogue One. That's my favorite as well. uh, Besides episodes four, five, and six. Um, and solo a Star Wars story uh, But the latter of Those the solo Star Wars story it failed to deliver successfully at the box office um, And which kind of they believe sparked a rethink in their their vision Their strategic output of what they're going to do with the content of Star Wars. I liked The Han Solo movie. I thought it was a little bit cheesy here and there. Um I think it could have been a little bit better, but I liked the movie regardless of what the critics say or, you know, if it was a failure.
1: And I think he did pretty good about like keeping the feeling of like Han Solo. I do think it was a little bit different and not as good, but I did think that they had very good, like way everybody acted and having Chewie and all that. I think it was really fun to see them like come together and everything like that.
0: Yeah. So you know what, for this family, not such a failure. Uh, Iger uh, told the New York Times that he was quoted, "I just think that we might put a little bit too much in the marketplace too fast." And you know, I trust his judgment on that, and I see that in other companies where they they get passionate about a project and they have all they have a great product at first, and and or nostalgia comes in, and then they just start producing too fast, and it's too much for everyone, or the or it lacks the the heart of what they're trying to show. So I can agree with him on that. Um, Basically he also states that I think the storytelling capabilities of the company are endless because of the talent we have at the company and the talent that we have at the company is better than it's ever been in part because of the influx of people from Fox. Um, His honestly comes from after he confirmed earlier this year that the Money-spinning franchises, it is, production schedule will slow down dramatically after the release of J.J. Abrams directed Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So after this movie in December, we're going to see a, a pullback on the reins for a bit and um, not do that Kessel Run so fast of getting uh, all these Star Wars movies *Star Wars* movies out. Like we said before and before and before, The Mandalorian is also coming out. So we're still going to have some content here and there. Um, He also says we'll take a pause sometime and reset because the Skywalker saga comes to an end with this ninth movie. There will be other Star Wars movies, but there will be a bit of a hiatus. Uh, It's been suggested that Disney's decision has been influenced by the underwhelming box office, like we mentioned before, of the performance of the 2018 Solo. And plans for further spinoff movies have been thrown into doubt as the studio considers how it plans to progress with the iconic franchise. So Iger added at the time, we have not announced any specific plans for movies thereafter. There are movies in development, but we have not announced them. You know, I see that back and forth online here and there, but um, I can take, I believe his word, I can take his word for that. And I think it's good to pull back the reins. I just wish, a little sidebar, they would pull back the reins on all these different, uh, all these new remakes they're doing of all their classic animated features yeah, and put except some for like, yeah go just ahead some
1: more time in it and like give some more because we love those a lot especially like um uh what's it called the um rebels we love the oh, Rebels yes. and like putting all and it was so sad to see it end and everything but putting more time into those too
0: they are well we have they the clone are. wars coming oh, out yeah. you know uh-huh. um they, they've had Star Wars Rebels. They had the new animated one that came out. So I, I do like that. You, I agree with you. I like expanding the universe into different storylines, into different characters. Um, there's even a, a really cool comic out there, which I bought one of the issues. Um, I am Alpha, Dr. Alpha or Alpha. Oh, yeah. I remember She's that. like a Star Wars universe. So she's on the run. Uh, From the Empire, but she's looking for artifacts throughout the Outer Rim and it's pretty cool. So I like those side stories and I I hope Disney, hope Iger really and Kevin goes down that direction. Um, You know, those are my thoughts on that. But speaking of Iger, let's move in back into Marvel. I don't know if you knew this, but the Disney executives actually originally feared that Marvel movies would tarnish the studio's image. Mm. Tarnish the image. Look what it's done so far. So, Walt Disney Studios' Motion Pictures and Marvel Studios make up one of the most profitable partnerships in Hollywood history. And, of course, with the acquisition of Fox, etc., Disney is the media empire out there. So, this year, the studios released Avengers Endgame, which brought in 2796000000 billion. Mind-blown there. The highest-grossing movie ever released worldwide. And Captain Marvel brought in $1.1 billion. Both of both of which are in this year's top five grocers. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, it's an integral part of Disney. And strange to think of a time when the House of Mouse was scared to take a chance on Marvel comic book movies, you know, back in the day. Um we're gonna go into that little discussion of how that happened and how it came about, but look what they are today and just think of what could have been what couldn't have been so bob once again i'm plugging it again the ride of a lifetime lessons learned from 15 years as a ceo of the walt disney company authored by bob eicher um there's a memorable passage in the book in which he remembers the studio being fearful of buying marvel uh it's kind of weird i see them at a table going i don't know if we (laughs) should be doing this i don't know but uh so disney acquired marvel entertainment on august 31st 2009 for an estimated uh, the deal was estimated at 4.24 billion dollars wow and look how many billions upon billions of dollars they have raked in since 2009 with these movies
1: which is amazing
0: yes it is at that point marvel had already begun the mcu by releasing titles like iron man thor and captain america the first avenger and that was through paramount pictures the success of these early mcu films proved to disney how lucrative marvel could be with audiences But prior to then, the studio thought Marvel was, in quotations, too edgy for the Disney brand. It's funny to Mm. hear that. That's 10 years ago. Yeah. 2009, they thought that was too edgy. Look what they're doing now. I mean. Well,
1: especially now, but like back then, especially like Disney was such a happy family friendly, but then putting in Marvel, it's so different than what they're normally doing that it's just not sure if it would even work.
0: Well, yeah, they hit, well, through Paramount, they got to see those three titles. And the success, and so in comes Disney, let me write a check for it kind of attitude like they do. (laughs) So, But this also wasn't the first time Marvel has been on Disney's radar, is what Iger writes about in the book. Um, He states that, Early in my time working for Michael Eisner, I attended a staff lunch in which he floated the idea of acquiring Marvel. A handful of executives around the table objected to it. Marvel was too edgy, they said. It would tarnish the Disney brand. There was an assumption at the time, though, internally that among members of the board, that Disney was a single monolithic brand. And all of our businesses existed beneath the Disney umbrella. So he states that I sensed Michael knew better, but any negative reaction to the brand or suggestion that it wasn't being managed well, he took it personally. So the 2009 deal it eventually led Disney to the studio behind the most dominant movie franchise currently in Hollywood. Disney's first Marvel release was uh, Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon's The Avengers, which grossed $1.5 billion worldwide. And the MCU has continued to expand under the Iger and Marvel Studios president, Kevin Bee, that we uh, talked about earlier, who will be on Spider-Man third installment, as well as the, um, the new Star Wars. Uh, universe or movie or wh- wherever that's heading so bringing in the billions again more and more and more that's the disney money-making machine
1: well it works <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah it does i don't know if i agree with it yeah i mean i enjoy all the <laughs> entertainment but i don't know if i agree with it agree with that but um you know speaking of of remakes they bring in billions of dollars as well for Disney. As we all know, it seems like there's another one coming out, another one coming out. We plug Lady and the Tramp coming out November 12th on Disney+. Plus. Now they say that Disney is going to remake Snow White. Wow. Yep. We're going to have a live version of Snow White. I don't know what I really feel about that. Um, I, Snow White... Last week, Karen and I, and you, you—you've listened to the episode. We ranked to where we are uh, on our thoughts on Disney princess uh, movies, and Snow White was not my top one. But at the same time, leave this classic yeah, alone. It's
1: technically, the first princess, so it's like it would be—I don't know. I—I'm I, not a big fan of the remakes. I think some of them are cool, but like doing Snow White—it's such a classic, and it's so um, the style and everything is so, of course, old of how Disney was at the beginning so redoing it now i'm just like thinking of because of course they're going to change some things in the movie it's just like how right. much they're going to change i hope they can keep that classic feeling because snow white is a, a very big classic that you can't change
0: so, so agree with you so in tune with you so snow white was released way back in 1937 1937 long time ago and when that was released an anime it wasn't a cartoon an animated feature First one of a full length. I'm talking about not just a cartoon. They were doing silly symphonies before, and some others. And there was Gertie the dinosaur earlier days, uh, non-Disney. There, it was the first animated th- feature out there. They didn't know if the audience was going to sit through it, how they're going to react to it. And there, are people with the scenes of Snow White running through the forest, the way the witch acted during the storm, it created some cinematic fear, and just people got into it, and it, it just Grabbed them and it it is a beautiful masterpiece a lot of technology with the multi-plane camera was invented We can go on and on and on what I'm getting at is I don't understand why they want to touch To me, that's the baby besides Mickey Mouse Uh, Snow White the first one there. It's it leave it alone You
1: can't ruin it because it was that first one (laughs) that caught people on but if you ruin it then
0: right and I hope they play tribute to the nine old men the originals um so this article, uh, I'm just going to uh, give you some um, details here. So we all know Disney's been pumping out live action remakes in the recent years and honestly there's no signs of it slowing down. No. It just isn't. It's the Disney, the the Mouse House money making machine. Um, whether you like it or not. Uh, a remake of the film that put the studio on the map way back in the 1930s. We kick in gear this coming spring. Uh, it's Snow White. Um, so The film, they say, will be in production as soon as March 2020. They've already started casting, underway for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The Prince has been casted and the Evil Queen. I'm I'm wondering who this is all going to be played by. The film will be guided under the direction of Mark Webb, who is best known for his work on the Amazing amazing Spider-Man franchise and 500 Days of Summer. Never seen 500 Days of Summer. Don't know if any of you listeners out there have seen that. I have not, so I, I can't really go off on that. I didn't look into the movie. The film will be a musical, so we do know that. It will include all new songs from Oscar-winning songwriters I'm going to Benj Pesek and Justin Paul. Mary Poppins Returns in La La Land, producer Mark Platt has also joined the crew. I think the music is going to be great. Um, I don't really think they need to add anything. I hope they keep that
1: really high-pitched um, Snow White's voice. The falsetto, <laughs> yep.
0: I agree. So, no release date for the remake is currently set. Um, it remains a beloved classic to this day, and I, I, I hope they do it justice and honor it. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of the remake. Beauty the Beast animated is my oh, yeah. favorite one, number one overall. I didn't really care for the remake, but what they did well on the remake is, of all these, I feel, I feel like, of all these, my opinion. Let me rephrase that disclaimer there, everyone of all these remakes. I, I feel that they at least stay to the, how the story was with beauty and the beast. Yes. I really do. You know, of course there's artistic, you know, expression and license, you know, they they'll do things differently here and there. That's fine. But I hope they do this justice. And I hope the set looks phenomenal. And incredible. I hope the acting is on point. Uh, we'll wait to see. So they have that casted. We'll see that. Um, We'll see if this dominates. I think it will. People will pay to go see it, and um, you know. And I hope nothing but the best for this new remake. And I hope it brings them in the money that they are so looking for. But not just that. I hope it it brings in the the hearts, the feelings that we all felt when we first saw that movie. Uh, the ride at Disney World's awesome too. So yeah, more remakes, more remakes, more remakes. <laughs> so another cool thing. That's coming to Disney Hollywood Studios, which uh, was pushed back recently with with all the Star Wars stuff going on, is uh, a Mickey Shorts Theater is coming to Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, new attractions and lands that make uh, a visit to the park be more extraordinary with immersive experiences for guests of all ages. So some cool entertainment there. Uh, they're preparing currently for the next step in the Wacky World of Mickey Mouse cartoon short next year with the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So excited to see how more zany adventures are coming to Disney Hollywood Studios this coming spring 2020. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think the new theater, the Mickey Shorts Theater, is needed. And that's going to be quite entertaining and a good place to go cool off and enjoy some Mickey Shorts. So I, I love watching, you know, the new style of Mickey Mouse and his pals had to grow on me a little bit. I like where they're going with it. I still miss the kind of classic look, but it, um, I'm glad they're adding this to Disney Hollywood Studios. A neat little thing. In our family, art is a huge thing, whether Very it be cr- rafting something, painting something, drawing something, coming up with silly stories, characters, you name it. It's it runs in all the, in time. Our, all the t- yes, it <laughs> runs in our blood through and through. Yes. I see that in you uh, with all the wonderful things you create. I see that in your sister, uh, Leia, our five-year-old, who, who she's usually on the Disney dad joke. For those who don't know, um, she loves to draw nonstop in color. It's phenomenal. As well as our, your brother, our son Noah, with his creativity with Legos. Uh, we all have these wonderful talents in our family. And I'm going to plug my brother Nick, who is on the other uh, Musk fades podcast. Uh, you know he loves to draw. We love art. And a really cool thing that I came across is, especially this is for girls. Uh, it's called. It's a book. It's called Pencils, Pens, and Brushes: A Great Girl's Guide to Disney Animation. First of all, what attracted me to this, not just because you know I have three daughters, but the artwork as well uh, has a sense of of um, conceptual art, a Mary Blair kind of look to it. Mary Blair, if you don't know who she is, she did a lot of Golden Books, a lot of children's illustration. And a lot of background in conceptual art for Disney back in the day. Um, so the cover really drew me and looking in the book uh, some of the spreads that they have out there the artwork is just it's splashy it's vibrant it's full of whimsy uh, pencils pens and brushes is, is the name of it. Um, it's basically sort of like a history book designed for 8 to 12 year old readers. In my mind I I don't care. <laughs> I would still look at it totally. <laughs> so what this book is all about, um, and I would love for you and your sisters to have this, it shares the stories of 20 amazing women who contributed in a variety of ways to Disney's movies, um, from drawing and painting to writing outlines for beautiful fairy tales. Uh, there were many women who played key roles in the D- Walt Disney Studios uh, in the making of the classic Disney films that we love. And a lot of it... Um, We don't give them props. We don't hear a lot of those stories. And uh, this is a great book. Uh, The author is Mindy Johnson. The illustrator is Lorlai Beauvais. That rolls off your tongue. Nice Mm -hmm. name. Um, They really want to make sure that the readers know the stories of these great girls and how important they were to Walt Disney Company. Uh, Throughout the book, there's informative biographies, enhanced with lovely drawings, uh, so you'll get to learn about the women who created the magic when life wasn't easy. And at that time it wasn't easy for women uh, working in an all male dominated uh, studio. Uh, these women who preserved their interesting and dangerous dreams and then they passed on their knowledge to others creating a legacy for future great girls. And as I look through this uh, the artwork is great. It looks really cool. Um, the two women who uh, Basically, it begins with Lillian Bounds and Edna Francis. If you don't know who these two women are, they are the two women who married the Disney brothers, Walt and Roy. Uh, They may not have been the ones making the big decisions, but they did make sacrifice. They did help with decisions. I do know that. They made sacrifices to support their husbands. They provided insight too. And Lillian also, she was the one that suggested the name Mickey for one of Walt's characters. Didn't know if you knew that. That's
1: cool. I did not know that.
0: You do not know? That. Well, now you do. There you go. Fun fact of the day. <laughs> Lillian Bounds is the one who helped, you know, provide the name for Mickey Mouse. And we all know how that turned out to yeah. this day.
1: And all the artwork, it just kind of looks, it reminds me kind of like Rapunzel of her drawing and painting all over exactly. the flower. It's just like vibrant and all kinds of stuff everywhere. It's so pretty and intriguing when you look at it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool looking book. So each bi- biography is about two pages long. Accompanied by what you've just said, the colorful pictures. The stories are serious. While that's serious, there's a playful vibe between these pages that will draw on young readers. And it will keep them there. At the back of the book, Johnson shares a quick guide to animation, including all the elements that are required to create Disney films. So, you know, you get that education as well. And what a a cool book. And as you can see, we're looking at this right now. The the way they just drew these planes... uh, it's really cool. And in the quote on the book on this page, it says many of the great girls of Disney animation soared beyond the clouds and and there's some airplanes flying above a sunset of clouds. It's really pretty. So pencils, pens and brushes will inspire that girl, that daughter who you love or niece, sister, whoever to grab her art supplies and start creating the instant she finishes each story. And honestly, I agree with that little tagline that they provided with this. Um, I can literally see you, Leia, even Riley. She's our three-year-old. Uh, I can see them once they're looking at the book, putting that down and going right to the sketch pad, right to the coloring book oh, yeah. and and being creative. And what an awesome book to empower young girls out there. And not just
1: to empower the young girls as well. I think it's a cool thing just to know all those different people that you don't get to hear about for like... Even like guys can learn about it and like know that all of these people that are put into it, even whenever you don't hear about it, there's so many people that work together to make these amazing things.
0: It's awesome. I actually follow um, now. They're not going to roll off my tongue right now, but I follow several uh, women that work at Pixar and Disney. And there's one in mind. um, I'll have to show you later. But she will post YouTube videos out there of how to get as a as a young girl how to get into the animation industry, how to how she does her artwork, how she presents herself, what her story is. And there's a lot of others that I follow in it. Really cool book. Really cool to empower and and it makes me proud to see that my girls are not just into Disney, but into creating and providing content that I cherish and treasure all the time. Okay, for that all moment, we're going to move on. <laughs> Another form of entertainment with with Disney, not just you know movies or shows or parades or the entertainment of eating their cool snacks. Uh, Pixar, every year... Well, I'm sorry. Let me re- go back. Every two years, they put on a really cool car show. And it's the Pixar Motorama. And they've been doing it for a while. And... The, uh, when I say while, well, I mean since 2001. And one of the things I love to photograph uh, are cars, especially classics or new concepts. But I, I love how it brings into community. And Pixar does a really cool thing. So like I mentioned, since 2001, Pixar has been hosting a, a car show called Pixar Motorama there at the studios in Emerville, California. And... It originally started as an employee show and shine, basically showing off their cars and what they drive. Uh, the past several years, there were supercars galore, uh, along with historical and concept cars. I love the historical ones from from design studios and private collections. I wish I can go on the grounds not only you know tour Pixar but see this car show because so cool. there is some phenomenal. Uh, Phenomenal cars here. Now, this year, they kind of changed it up, and they went green with it. Uh, So they had a little bit of a change. It took a bit of a left turn. They replaced the world's great concept in supercars with a green fleet of environmentally friendly transportation. Now, hear me out before we get into this. Um, It's really cool. Uh, GM, General Motors, sent the original 1966 Electrovan, which is the world's first fuel cell vehicle. 1966 they're doing that that's that's really cool very cool a little ahead of their time Toyota delivered the Tundra Pi Pro which is a hydrogen fuel cell powered pickup with a hydrogen powered and robot operated pizza kitchen in the bed (laughs) which also debuted last year's SEMA show Harley Davidson brought its live wire stationary demo unit giving show attendees a chance to ride the electric future of Harley in the comfort and safety of a Dodge Sprinter van and Jay Leno who is well-known in the car industry, uh, sent a steam-powered one-off from a 1970, from 1974 called a Dutcher. And we'll get into those vehicles here in a second. But this is really cool alternative entertainment to go, especially Pixar hosting this. So why the big change of going green? Well, all was well and good um, when car guy John Lasseter uh, left the studios. Uh, they needed someone to sign off on this annual car show. So it took a presentation uh, to Pixar president Jim Morris about the value of the Motorama to Pixar before the car show team got to the show, before it was even greenlined. It came on and the show went on for Greener Guys because they were saying if they walked out into their parking lot, you would see Model S's, Model 3's, Leafs, Priuses. I drive a Prius. I drive mm-hmm. extremely far for work, so yeah, it's great though. Uh, but they are a huge portion of their parking lot. So they thought, why you know i can't just rope off the parking lot and call the show that's going to be so boring so what they really try to do is find the things that people hadn't seen that were electric and one good thing from the motorama was this should not be a vehicle you can walk into a dealership and see it should be stuff that is the future prototype unique one-off special order whatever and so they tried to keep that ethos for the show so that innovation aspect of what disney brings out as well as pixar um they had uh, a retrofitted 1941 Mercury. I know I'm probably boring you, Autumn, on this, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but this is really cool stuff. They had uh, a thoroughly modern electric drivetrain, custom engineer to fit in this ancient, originally low-tech American classic. Uh, they also, uh, Jay Leno, I mentioned, he brought uh, a Dutcher. So. What that is, if you've never heard of a Dutcher, that's because there's only ever been, I believe, two made. No, I'm sorry, one. There's only been one ever made Um, in the California State Assembly. um, It was contracted with two companies to make steam car prototypes. So it was a steam car. Uh, One company was Aerojet Liquid Rocket Company, which installed a steam turbine in a Chevrolet Vega. The other company was Dutcher, which built its car from scratch. Both prototypes were made and they neither of them ever saw production on those. So some really cool innovation. Like I mentioned before, GM brought the electrovan built in 1966. They built that so they can see how fuel cells would work in cars. And at that time, fuel cells were, excuse me, were being used to power spacecraft. So, hey, why not put one wow. in a car? <laughs>
1: see, like for someone like me that doesn't really know a lot about cars or doesn't really like all, all the time like want to go see car shows or whatever i just think it's so cool to see these kind of things about like only like there's only one car that is like this and that kind of stuff to see all of those innovation things and extraordinary cars that they can make and i think it's so cool to see all that
0: it's this exactly it's the same kind of process of putting innovative technology in how they make their how pixar makes their featured animated films computer animated films as well as with disney so you know, going back to this as well, you know, why not try it in a car? Eh, it's logical, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> so GM chose a GMC van because it had lots of room. So back in the day, if you're going to power back in the 60s, you're going to power a spacecraft. Like that, you need room. So the middle of the van is full of tubes, all these cylinders and componentry. The back half has three big spherical tanks, two for hydrogen, one for oxygen. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I do not want to drive that. I would like yeah. to see it. Um, so the van at the Moto Expo didn't work when they were showing it, of course, but it might be coaxed into working, according to the two guys that were in charge of hauling it out to Emerville. Um, back in 1966, it made a peak of 215 horsepower of power. can go 150 miles on a full charge, assuming that it didn't blow itself up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what i want to be in
1: no or see really i wouldn't
0: want to see it go up <laughs> uh yeah tesla brought its monstrous now this was all out on twitter and social media with pixar there was a tesla red, uh red semi there and a lot of speculation was happening there so tesla brought its monstrous big red semi and parked it in the driveway for a very short while bmw wrapped an i3 in a star pattern lifted straight from the famous pixar ball Audi sent an e-tron, Mini sent a countryman, P-A-T-V and Jaguar sent an i A lot of cool things there with Volkswagen, et cetera, at this motorama. And I wish that was open to the public. I wish I could go to that. And then maybe I can sneak into Pixar animation studios. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for ways to do that. <laughs> but
0: what, what other cool, you know, there's so many ways to experience Disney Pixar entertainment out there. And, The Monorama is one of those things. Reading books is another thing that we just talked about. It's
1: different and new and very cool.
0: Yeah, it it really, really is cool. Speaking of Pixar, don't know if you knew this. You know who Steve Jobs is, right?
1: I think so. Sounds familiar.
0: CEO of Apple. Yes. He passed away uh, years ago. Um, Steve Jobs had a lot of direction, a lot of clout, a lot of... um, hearsay in, in regards to what he wanted in with Disney when they joined, as well as, you know, he's the CEO. He had a lot of pull in what he did with Apple products. So he actually, once again, this is in Bob Iger's book. He wanted to, he went to Bob Iger and basically said, I want to shut down Disney animation after yeah. Pixar was acquired by Disney. He wanted to shut down the animation studios. I did not know that. Until looking through this book, and that's that's just wow! It blew my mind. I, I I was just basically like I am right now, a little bit speechless. Like, whoa, what? Yeah. What would have happened after this? So Walt Disney Animation they're still enjoying a resurgence in popularity that began began after Ed Catmull and John Lasseter from Pixar when they came over. And I, we, Corinne and I have talked about this in the in, in one of the previous episodes on the podcast. <clears throat> They came over to Disney to help them, and boy, did they rock it after that! So they were respectfully named president and chief creative officer of the company. After starting off in promising new direction with the movie, they they helped with *Tangled*. Now, going back a little bit before that, it was *Meet the Robinsons*. John Lasseter helped with, but then Ed Catmull and John Lasseter, their first full one was *Tangled*. Um, they turned out, they churned out hits like *Frozen*, *Wreck-It Ralph*, *Big Hero 6*. I really like that one. Oh, yeah. Zootopia, and Moana. And it's all thanks to one of the riskiest endeavors of the 2000s. So the hiring of John Lasseter and Ed Catmull came as part of Disney's deal to acquire Pixar Animation. So in 2006, which made Steve Jobs the largest shareholder in the company and a member of Disney's board. However, if Steve Jobs had gotten in his way, the resurgence of Walt Disney Animation might have never happened. Wow. Because he proposed the idea of shutting it down entirely. Entirely, I can't. I still can't imagine that. So during the time of the Pixar animation acquisition, which is back in 2006, you were little back mm-hmm. then. Walt Div- Disney Animation was floundering; it was tanking; it, it was not doing so well. So Bob Iger basically stated, "I didn't yet have a complete sense of just how broken Disney Animation was." That's so largely really thanks to a series of expensive failures like the 2D animated Hercules and the computer-animated Chicken Little. Didn't really care for either of those. No. (laughs) And while movies like Mulan and Lilo and Stitch were considered to be better.
1: I liked those.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did too. Their success with critics and the box office was nothing compared to Disney's success and their animated renaissance of the 1990s. Even though they were a little bit better, they weren't that great. Excuse me for a second. I need to drink some water. There, I'm better now. (laughs) I normally have Starbucks when I'm doing this. I literally did not have time to stop at Starbucks, came straight home. We're (laughs) on to this. So thank you for sticking with us uh, through this (laughs) whole endeavor. So the acquisition of Pixar Animation was not only great for Disney because it brought Hollywood's most successful and acclaimed animation studio in the House of Mouse for good, but it gave John Lasseter and Ed Catmull control over feature animation at Disney as well as Pixar. That is power.
1: That is
0: That is a lot of power. And even though they took control of both entities, they kept them separate. Yeah. They kept them entirely separate. Basically, the left hand could not talk to the right hand in regards to movies. They kept them separate. Pixar was going to run like Pixar. Disney Animation was going to run like Disney Animation, just with some new direction to it. So anyway, back in the fall of 2012... Uh, there was uh, he was speaking to USA Today, A then Chief Creative Officer John Lasseter admitted that there was some discussion about shutting down Disney Animation, and, and this is what John Lasseter added to that in 2012. We weren't going to let that happen on our watch. We were determined to save the legacy of Walt Disney's animation, Amazing Animation Studio and bring it back up to the creative level it had to be. Saving this heritage was squarely on our shoulders, and it was, and they were successful with it. Highly successful. Um, Yeah, we got Frozen. We have Frozen Two coming out. You know, Wreck-It Ralph Two, Moana. That was beautiful. Tangled was absolutely wonderful. So, you know, just to name these, that discussion appears to have come mostly from Steve Jobs, which the expert in the book, that Iger recalls that after the Disney's acquisition of Pixar, he Steve Jobs was a highly influential part of the company. Of course, he was. After all, he was the single, single largest shareholder in the company after the deal went through. And now he's on Disney's board. So he developed a more friendly relationship with uh, Iger. And basically what Iger said was, whenever I wanted to do something big, I talked it over with him to get his advice before taking it to the full board. Steve's voice mattered in our boardroom. They had such respect for him. That's profound. And he brought that up and it was actually discussed and it was actually thought about. They were... I can't believe it. I'm thinking of this board standing around or sitting around and discussing, should we do this? But they made some good moves, and here we are years later. Um, So therefore, it should be no surprise that Pixar came into the Disney fold. Jobs floated the idea of shutting down Disney animation. And aside in the segment talking about the deliberation of how buying Pixar animation would be good or bad for the House of Mouse, Iger put this in a parenthetical aside. A few years later, Steve Wood proposed shutting down Disney animation completely and just making animated films at Pixar. Even John Lasseter and Ed Catmull hated the idea and I rejected it, but they listened to him they discussed it. So let's imagine here that we keep reiterating what a landscape of animation would be like today if Pixar Animation was Disney's only animated feature film production company.
1: It'd definitely be a lot different. Like, Pixar doesn't do all like the musicals, like disney does with all like the music and everything but um i don't think it would have been horrible it's just like it's nice to have both that musical from disney and then a little bit more subtle from pixar
0: yeah you know one thing i took out of that as well musical hmm i know i pixar doesn't write musicals and and they have stated that they don't do that but was wally a musical in a way hello dolly was in there i don't
1: really consider that because you can have music in any movie but i just kind of feel like if the main characters have songs and like throughout the time like a bunch of people are singing in the background like with different people i, th- I think i consider that a musical and not yeah. just like music in the background but i understand what you're saying yeah. just a thought <laughs> <laughs> or like up because i had some music in it too but
0: so yeah we would have missed out on all those aforementioned hits that started hitting in 2009 um they may not have been quite as successful today if you know they've merely shut down and thrown in the towel and let pixar take over animation entirely i don't know i I, they needed walt disney animation studios in my mind my heart to keep going
1: need pixar and i think
0: pixar is is a little bit above walt disney i think walt disney is phenomenal as well they're up well they're about par right now on my scale but i think just with pixar running it it i think it wouldn't have been as great. You need both. Um, I mean, because Pixar would have still kept making hit films, but look at the massive wave in pop culture that movies like Moana and Frozen have made. So it's a good thing that John Lasseter and Ed Catmull weren't willing to let Disney animation die simply because Pixar was the new hotness at the time, and they were. Though, admittedly, that success has been tainted somewhat by some other issues uh, with Lasseter leaving, which um, we won't discuss here so, wow, if Disney would have shut down their long-running animation division, it it would have truly been the end of an era f- for that medium. Yes, it would. It's, it's just, wow. But, you know, I don't want to end on that sad, sad note. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't. And there's, wow, it's just they're doing such great work. And, you know, once again, I cannot wait for Frozen 2 to come out. Oh, yeah. The Frozen 2 trailer actually just dropped a week ago today. And we have watched it numerous times. I know I have. <laughs> and we've had dissected it. We even watched Frozen last night and just
1: to see if there's any hints. Not just to
0: see if there was hints. We were but watching it because to- it was fun. But yeah. yeah. But we were, we were nitpicking Frozen yep. to see, oh wait, this and this and this and this and this. Cannot wait. I really want to dissect that trailer, which we probably will on the next episode. And we're also going to go in a little more in-depth review of Bob Iger's book. Um So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Autumn, I am so thankful that you joined me today, and I'm not by myself and running solo. (laughs) I'm glad I got
1: to do it. Thank you. (laughs) I am so glad.
0: We have wonderful conversations all the time when we go for our walks, and we like to discuss a lot of creative things. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Listeners, um, Autumn will be joining us at times for movie reviews, as well as when Corinne can't make it. She's going to be my right-hand partner in this as well when Corinne is not here. One thing I do want to uh, plug is don't forget that we are with Your Story Travel Company. If you're looking to book a Disney vacation, Disneyland, Disney World, Universal Studios, cruises, you name it, please feel free to reach out to my wife, Corinne Iman. You can reach her at her email, which is Corinne.Iman at YourStoryTravel.com. That's C-A-R-R-I-N dot E Y. M-A-N at storytravel.com. Feel free to reach out to us as well on our email, burrito at gmail.com. Give us some ideas. Leave us comments, what you like, what you don't like. Get to know us. Ask us questions. Feel free to do that as well as go to iTunes. Give us a four or five star rating. It greatly helps us out. I appreciate it. I'd love to see who's out there listening and getting your feedback as well. Subscribe to us. You can also find us every Tuesday under the mascapades radio network. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for listening to us and enjoying the wonderful news that's coming out. Thank you again, Autumn. It's been a pleasure to infinity
1: and beyond
0: until next week.